GateWorld.net presents an exclusive interview with Damian Kindler. For GateWorld.net, I'm David Reed, and I'm talking with Mr. Damian Kindler, uh, writer and producer for Stargate SG-1 and consultant for Atlantis. Damian, welcome, and thank you for being with us. It's a total pleasure. Now, some folks don't realize you were involved all the way back in Season 2 of this series. Tell us how your relationship with Stargate first came about. Uh, oh, that's such an old story. Uh, <laughs> um... My relationship with Stargate uh, began uh, actually before that. I, I'm i a Toronto guy and uh, worked on a show, a sci-fi show that's long since gone away called Sci-Factor Chronicles of the Paranormal. Uh, I worked on that in season one when it first began. I worked on it basically for all four seasons in some capacity or another as a writer and producer. But in season one, it was it was a very, uh, very, uh, quite a... Uh, <laughs> A heavy workload of a show, uh, and uh, at a certain point, the, 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 the other staff writer and I kind of threw up our hands, pulled our hair out, and said, "We really need some help here." And one of the writers that was on a list of writers that we liked uh, at the top of that list was a, a young, promising writer named Robert Cooper. Really? Yeah. And so uh, I, I really liked Rob. We had met uh, at a very early meeting when the show was being conceived, and, and uh, he would, he had done some writing on on shows and I had done some writing shows and it was always it was nice to meet a guy my age with interesting sensibilities and we, we really got along well. This is back in 1995 or 6 I think 96 and so uh, I remember calling him and begging him and saying we have a, we have a list of one person that we really need <laughs> to, come, to come and help and so he came in for the, last, for the second half of the season one Sci Factor as a staff writer and really saved our bacon and I knew right away he was a very special uh, uh, talent and sure enough because he, he wrote features and he, he just was a, had an amazing work ethic even back in his you know uh, mid twenties and um, he uh, when Sci, when Sci Factor ended he uh, he had, his his agent had arranged for him to fly out to Vancouver <coughs> to pitch on this new show called Stargate SG One which was uh, being done by the Outer Limits guys and it was based on the movie and he had a neat pitch and so he went out there and literally a few months later he he was literally he and his girlfriend. Uh, to be wife one day, Hillary uh, went out and and uh, never came back. <laughs> <laughs> but we stayed in touch since then because we we we'd sort of become good friends. And uh, I was working in Toronto, like I said, working on shows, working on Sci Factor for the next four years, working on had written Earth Final Conflict and written Code mm. of Eternity, like Beastmaster. Like I wrote all these shows and 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 um, you know Relic Hunter. I was I was very involved in the Toronto scene. But I remember in the second season of the show, Rob and I chatting, and I always really loved Stargate. I thought this is this is like one of the top, if not the top, show in Canada. It was that and Outer Limits with a one-two punch of how huge and awesome Canadian yes. shows could be and hit the yes. global market. And so I remember pitching ideas to uh, Rob in season two, and um, one of them, uh, and and it sort of none of them quite fit with what they were doing. And that was fine, you know. It was it wasn't the end of the world. I had a lot of other things on the go, but it was really nice that Rob was always keen to take my pitches and 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 present them for me. Because uh, I never actually had flown out there to to discuss anything with with Brad or Jonathan or any of those guys. It just was sort of throwing them to Rob, going, "What do you think about this? What do you think about that?" Mm-hmm. And then to my shock and 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 pleasant surprise, uh, he called up one day and said, "By the way, we're we're going to give you a story credit on this one because there's a pitch about." Uh, 
that had to do with Daniel and the effects of going through the gate and, and addiction and things like that, that really tied in well with another idea, and, and so you're going to get a, a story credit on it. And it was yeah. the, the episode so neat, and I was like very, very, very happy about that and, and, and thrilled that that, uh, um, that uh, my name was in some way associated with, with a really cool show. <laughs> so, right, exactly. So that was, that was and, then, and then, you know, many years passed since then. Uh, you know, Rob, uh, being being uh, amazing at what he does, uh, rose up through the ranks, and might I say, very tough ranks, because Brad Wright is, you know, uh, a very very um, uh, uh, strong taskmaster, demanding quality and discipline mm -hmm. and 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 great ideas. He, you know, because he holds everyone to the same standard he holds himself to, and he's a pretty gigantic talent in his own right. So watching Rob flourish uh, there uh, wasn't surprising but it was gratifying he was a, he was a Toronto guy making it in the big so we were all very I loved watching his career from afar and we kept in contact and if I was ever in Vancouver we hang out and see each other in Toronto when we could and so on and so forth mm -hmm. and it all dovetailed you know uh, into 2001 when I actually ended up uh, being available to come in and pitch some ideas. I had been coming and going from LA to Vancouver and, and doing lots of work on different shows and uh, ended up coming to uh, in to pitch some ideas to Stargate um, for the just at the start of season six when it moved from Showtime to Sci-Fi. Right. And uh, pitched uh, pitched a bunch of ideas. Um, uh, pitched four ideas. Uh, one of which was uh, the other guys. Which which went very well, and the other one there's a cup two two of the two of the four pitches that they they really liked. Uh, one was the other guys, which they was the one they commissioned me to write, and the second one once I ended up on staff ended up being Cure. And yes, um, it was really wonderful because I I loved the process of I I actually used GateWorld constantly in my research. You know, Rob said go to GateWorld.net, they have everything, and I was able to digest five seasons worth of shows and material and. You know, of course, the more I went through the, to the synopses and the reviews that, that, that your site has, the more I was like, oh, my God, every good story ever conceived by, by, by culture has been used by the show. How, yeah, how am I ever going to, you know, <laughs> am I ever going to come up with something for them to use? So, what a doubt, I always fall back on humor. And uh, so, I, I pitched uh, the other guys, which was my favorite pitch, and they loved it, and asked me to write it. I came in and worked on the story with them and wrote the script. And, and at the time, I was just very happy to have gotten the call to write a script mm. and, and really enjoyed the characters and the process. And the day I delivered the script, Rob called and offered me a producer job, which was one of the nicer moments uh, in, my, in my career. And, um, wow. and that was part of that. That sort of became the next five years of my life. And uh, it's just been, you know, an absolute joy and an honor to be part of that team and watch it expand and be part of the birthing of Atlantis and, and uh, watching um, how how things are done at uh, at the top level by some of the, the top talents in the business. Now, you had not watched Stargate religiously before coming aboard? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I had seen it, uh, of course, now and then and thought it was cool. I thought, you know, some of the early, I had been pretty open with it. I thought some of season one was a bit stiff. And uh, yeah. season two got better, you know. So I never got because I was basing a lot of my opinions on season one. I didn't really get into it. But by the time I started, you know, I went in there. And Rob said, "Here's twenty 
20 episodes to watch, and I started going through them, and halfway through, I started emailing them going, this is not the show that I remember you coming out to work. Yeah. And this is, like, funny and clever, and it's got twists, and I don't know yeah. what's going to happen next, and it's it's smart, and Rick is funny, and Amanda's a great actor, and Chris is, is poignant, and who is this Michael Shanks guy? Like, I really kind of, <laughs> you know, I was really, and holy cow, are those effects hot. And, you know, and he's like, you know, you're back on, yeah, see, it's getting better, and we got more budget, and it's a big hit, and so I, I was really going, wow, why was I missing the boat on watching this, because it's, it's pretty, mm -hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty wild and, and cool, and, and I found a little bit more, I don't know, I found it a little bit more of a cool factor than Outer, Outer Limits was fun and kitschy and interesting, but, you know, if you didn't tweak to the story right away, you know, that was it. Yeah. But at least the, the yeah. consistent world and mythology that was blooming in Stargate, I, I found pretty appealing. So once I started getting into it and really, uh, um, you know, investing my time and attention to it, I began, I realized instantly why this show was, was a giant hit and why it was probably going to be around for a while. So exactly. now, of course, when, right. when I started on season six, uh, I remember Rob saying, well, you know, welcome aboard and... Uh, a lot of people have had that office that you're in, and, which is sort of makes you. Oh, oh, that's that's nice. Uh, and and so the other thing he said, Van, this is you know this is probably likely the last year of the show, uh, but oh, we're hoping course, to do a spin-off, and so if all goes well, maybe you'll get a chance to do some work on that. And I said, look, man, I'm just I'm just glad to be sitting in this chair, and <laughs> and, and typing away. You know, I, I this is great. I, this is perfect. I love it. And I, I you know here we are. I'm working with you. This is wonderful. And so. I never in my wildest dreams could have, you know, said, well, I'll just be doing this for, you know, five years. Right. No so one. Nothing for granted. Nothing for granted. And I don't think anybody did. You know, I I was definitely the one, though, in, in the room in the uh, in the fall when we'd sit around, Joe and Paul and and, and, uh, and Rob. And, you know, I, I was always the one going, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't see why they'd cancel. I think they'll keep going. And people go, no, nah, this has got to be it. There's no way. We can't do an eighth season. <laughs> and sure enough, we get the call, and Sci-Fi wanted to keep going, so you want to run them concurrently. Well, then, yeah, then there was the Atlantis thing, so it was it was quite quite the quite the um, quite the quite the the run to see. I had front row seats for the whole thing, so I bet there there must have been like, oh, we can't do this. Forty shows. No, you know what? You know what, David? It's interesting. There was never that. Wow. Rob and wow. Brad Rob, were always very much like, no, no, we can do this, and here's how. And that's one of the reasons why they're, they're so good at their jobs, is they said, we're, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I remember Brad saying to me once, well, one thing this doing Atlantis means is I'm going to have to become fast again. You know, he, he, you know yeah. when, you're, when you're a young writer and you've got young kids at home and you've got to pay those bills, you really bang out the scripts fast. When you're, you yeah. know, when, when you're show, show running and there's a support system, you, can, you have the luxury of saying, well, I can deliver the script when I need to deliver it and play with the schedule and you can really take the time to fine tune it. But yeah, Brad, yeah, and exactly. But Brad did. He, he was just writing and rewriting scripts with incredible speed and he was like a young man again and <laughs> uh, and he, he definitely uh, enjoyed his golf trips as a chance to recharge and, and needed them desperately once the season's end. But never was there a, oh, my God, this is impossible. It was always, yep, bring it on, you know. Wow. And so you guys carried that on for eight, nine, three years, 40 well, trips a year. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I was involved as a producer for four seasons, and then I was a, a consultant and writer on both shows for season 10 and 3. 
So last year was my first year not as a producer. I was uh, involved in the show in a little bit more of a, uh, a marginal way. I, I literally was was uh, leaving to, to pursue other things and, and uh, mainly uh, sanctuary. So right. So you've been working on that for a year. Well, <clears throat> yeah. It takes it takes a year to build a company uh, to mm -hmm. its proper place and and you know to gear up to, to production. Uh, I'd say I wasn't working on it for a solid year. I'd say it's been a year, maybe 14 months since the initial idea uh, mm -hmm. was discussed with the people who had become uh, partners in, in the venture. Um, uh, so it's, um, it's been a very wonderful year, and I'll be honest, it's a year that probably couldn't have happened if I hadn't still been part of the Stargate right. family, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've always been very, very grateful to for the opportunity to remain uh, part of the, the Stargate world, and, and uh, you know, even though at the end of Season 9, um, it was it was sort of a mutually agreed upon that, that uh, I was probably uh, going to be moving on because uh, mm -hmm. there was a lot of people on staff and there were other things I, I was very interested in doing and they knew that but mm -hmm. but, but Rob and Brad were very magnanimous and said we, we'd really like you to, to remain involved in the show as a, as a writer on both shows mm -hmm. and we like your ideas and, and we don't want you to just, it was like a not so fast you're, you know, you're, not, you're, not, you're not shaking hands and leaving right now and so I was very flattered by that and very grateful and, and it was nice to, to remain part of, of all that um, through the tenth season, which was a really huge landmark, and 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 uh, I know the guys have it, should feel nothing but huge pride over that. So totally. Yeah. Before we move on to Sanctuary, I'd like to discuss Stargate just a little bit further with you. Sure. Um, of all the stories that you wrote for them, which do you feel is the most realized? Well, it's a good question. I mean, first of all, in Stargate, because it's you know, people are so good at their jobs and there's actually a very healthy budget, a lot of what you write gets realized in a very, very nice way, in a very, uh, uh, they don't cheap out, you know? Right. They're going to do a space battle, they're going to do it right. They're going to do a fight, you're going to do it right. You're going to do, you know, a scene in some very ama amazing location, they'll, they'll, they'll find it you know, or they'll build it. Mm -hmm. So that's always really nice. Um, I remember... The, the very first one, the other guys that Martin Wood directed, uh, just coming together brilliantly and going, wow, this is, you know, it's my first Stargate experience at that level, and just going, wow, I, I've never had a script that, that was produced at, at, at like a feature film level of, mm -hmm. of, of quality. I think uh, I really enjoyed, I did a lot of space stuff, uh, a lot of Prometheus stuff that I thought came together really well because there's a lot of effects-heavy stuff. I really liked the way... Um, shows like uh, Space Race and and um, and Prometheus uh, Unbound, the first one with Claudia, mm -hmm. came about mm -hmm. where we had you know we had two um, two cargo ships and the Prometheus, and then we had also Prometheus in a in a cloud, and we had a, an alien ship which we only saw once ever, and then it disappeared, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and stuff like yeah, that. I really I, I like that. I, I really liked that stuff. I I thought. Um, I thought stuff like evolution uh, came together brilliantly. Uh, I thought, um, you know, really, uh, when we built the, the one that um, uh, Peter DeLuise and I wrote, there was a two-parter about um, Daniel being kidnapped in South America. Um, yes. Um, uh, which was called, that was, uh, that was, that was, that evolution. was evolution, yeah. You know, when they build a, a little 
Bolivian town. <laughs> you know, Babylon in season nine. You know, which although I, mm-hmm. I I fully admit was a somewhat flawed story from my perspective, it could have used a, a you know a little bit more um, in it. But they built a, an incredible village for the Sodan. I, I mean, that yes. that stuff is just great, and the fights were great. So I, you know, were there ones that I thought were a little less fully realized? Sure. I mean, there was a couple. Of course, yeah. But but you know, the other guys, the the big two parters. Hey, look. What about reckoning? I mean, my God, the whole that that was just, you know, coming off the screen like fireworks. Some of those scenes and, you know, cut, mm-hmm. cutting to 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 um, uh, Anubis's lair and and seeing what was going on in Dakara and just, you know, just, just establishing shots of, of of replicator ships landing on Dakara. Just the stuff was just huge, and I loved it. Yeah, and so. Uh, that's a good question. Very fulfilling. Very fulfilling. And, and um, you know, sometimes you hear the music and just go, my God, Joel Goldsmith you know, <laughs> is just a genius. And so I, I can't single out one. I love the effects in Space Race. I thought the world we created, I loved what we did with Heberdam. Um, I loved the way we did Poisoning the Well. I loved the, the look of that, mm-hmm. of the Hoffins, even though they don't exist anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved what we did with Trinity. The, the effects in Trinity are spectacular. Hats off to Brad Wright for for, for demanding all that be done properly, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's just that that's that's fortunately just you know an embarrassment of riches is how how well stuff gets produced. <laughs> done by the right people. Totally. So. Totally. Uh, you mentioned Prometheus Unbound. Uh, for such a big character that she is now, we can't get by without talking about Bala. Sure. You're the father of Vala, essentially. One of them. I, I don't. I will not at all publicly or privately claim to wholly have uh, created Vala. I, I definitely wrote the show and definitely uh, wrote the, the the draft introducing her. But mm-hmm. th- that level of 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 spunk and and cheekiness and chutzpah, definitely uh, you have to tip your hat to Rob Cooper. He he really? he was the one that said, "Come on, let's take this further." Like, and I was going, "Really? This? You know, you want?" The super soldier to make a suggestive comment to Daniel, I go, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, come on!" And then you know she's hot, and you know really Vala, Vala was I definitely gave her her name, <laughs> but right. uh, Rob I would say definitely took the ball and spiked it in the end zone as far as her character, and and so I will I appreciate people saying, "Oh yeah, you introduced Vala," but you know Rob like. So many elements of Stargate really uh, got in there and and made it. I think uh, what, uh, gave gave it the spice that makes people really like it. So uh, I, I don't at all claim 100 uh, percent responsibility for for Bella. If you if you like her or hate her, I still have the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy her. I think she's added. I, I will admit that one, when the season began and they were talking about adding her into the mix long before I knew that she was going to be the mother of Adria, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There was a little bit of trepidation there because Valha does not exactly equal SG-1 no. in her behavior. But now I think she's really come into her own as a character and adds a, uh, a level-headed comedy, but also uh, a lot of... Uh, She's very endearing because she's she's so uh, brittle in, in so many ways. Well, the, the interesting thing is, you know, Prometheus Unbound was one of those scripts where uh, Rob came to me and said, you know, it was later in the season, and he said, uh, 
look, we, we, need a, we need a show, and we need a show set in the Prometheus, and you can have some effects, but we can't go on locations too much, and we can't, you know, we got to do a small show, and, 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 what, mm-hmm. and, and here's, what, let's talk, you, I, you get in my room, and let's, and he and I just sat down and talked about it, and uh, we sort of beat out a story, and I really wrote it up real quick, and he said, great, and I wrote the story really, really quickly, I mean, it needed to be written in like seven, eight days, and so, mm-hmm. you know, it was done. And uh, he called me on the weekend and said, hey, it's in good shape. I really like what you've done. I want to take it and just sort of do a pass on it to get because I think we can boost the character of Vala a bit. But I really like yeah. where it's at. And so it was one of those things that came together very quickly. And, and, and had we had more lead time, it would have been nice to get some notes and do another pass and do a, a fun pass uh, on Vala with, if I had been given... Uh, permission or time permitting to to do it myself, but look, Rob did a killer job with it. I could never complain. So, um, <laughs> I know that it was fun when I wrote Bounty. Um, I don't know if Bounty has aired in the U.S. yet. Has Bounty? Yes. Uh, no, it has not. Yeah, Bounty is a really. But I have seen it. Yeah, it's a really fun Vala episode, and uh, it's a fun episode in general. But mm. you know, I did a I did a draft, and then. I uh, delivered it, and the guy said, this is great, but I think what we want to do is put Vala at Mitchell's um, reunion, reunion, which was an which was an idea that had been bandied around before when I was talking with the script initially, and it, it sort of, it, it didn't it didn't gel at that point, but it gelled once the, the script came in, so I said, you know what, that's great, that is, I was, never had such a big note been delivered to me, and that I had been accepted by me so happily, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah, no, I don't mind doing, I'll, I'll totally make that work, and I, and once the second pass came in, everyone was very happy with it, uh, because that was a wonderful dynamic, that's perfect, let's put Vala in small town Kansas, <laughs> with aliens after them, and it's great, and so, um, you know, her character, when used properly, is just absolutely wonderful grist for the mill on SG-1. So I, I really uh, uh, loved what she brought to the show. I loved that episode. It was really well done. What the, I really loved the angst between Vala and, uh, oh, Peter Deloise's wife. Oh, Anne-Marie, yeah. Yes, Anne-Marie, An- who is playing Anne-Marie. the character referenced all the way back in... Uh, ripple effect. I can't think of her name. Yes. But Amy. Amy. Van, Bird. That's yeah. right. That's, That's right. right. What a duo. That was so much fun. Yeah. Well, they're both such wonderful women. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's fun to to see them actually go out there and and uh, uh, have have fun doing these characters. Exactly. And now you've heard what how I feel about Val in season ten. What do you think about Val in season ten? Well, to be honest, I I I, I think. Uh, her character really came into its own in the sense that the way she was forced to grow and 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 confront certain issues she became yeah. more than you know just her the petty thief yeah. person who may or may not stab you in the back having her daughter be who she was and having Vala be put in the situation she was put in and and having her loyalties you know tested and all that was was interesting and um I think I liked it. I think that my my I I always have the fear of I don't I don't ever want her to become too earnest. Mm. You know, her character is such a fun character that when it stops being fun, even though because just because a character is fun doesn't mean they can't deal with dark issues. It's just mm-hmm. that I just love the Vala who I want meaning I want her to have her dark 
section of her experience and then move past it into something even funnier. And I always saw uh, Vala ending up being, you know, the like a Lando Calrissian, like kind of yeah. somewhat a former swindler who's kind of gone legit yeah. uh, and using her, her knowledge of how people can cheat you to run a good business. Yeah. Exactly. Or something like that, and run run a mining operation or a colony or something. And so, I, I I think that I never saw her personally as the type of character who should be on the show for five, six, seven years. Mm -hmm. But definitely the sort of character who could come in for a couple of seasons, spice things up, and then move on and come back and forth, or even have her own show in a way. Yeah. She's so so different, you know. And um, I, I I listen. The Ori thing was a great way to use Vala, and one of my favorite moments from season nine is her standing there pregnant in the in the window of a ship, mm -hmm. you know, and that stuff is just great. And so I, I love Claudia. I think she's very talented. I think she she really worked hard to find uh, her her groove on a very very entrenched and very very established um, mm -hmm. ensemble cast. So good for her. So you think if we declawed Vala and made her Miss Goody Two Shoes, she would cease to be interesting on a lot of levels? She'd suck as a character. <laughs> I think Claudia or Rob or anyone would agree with that. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, don't do that. You know, if anything, give her more claws and more. <laughs> so. All right. Great. Um, now, you were sometimes tasked with executing the stories that others had conceived. Now, that's a teleplay, I'm, I'm, I believe. Yes. Uh, in your honest opinion, uh, which was the what were a couple of the most grueling to fulfill? Grueling? Yeah, for whatever reason. Um, it it well, just didn't click for you personally. It may have turned out great in the end, but you just weren't getting it at first. Or well, there's a couple. I, I know that the one that stands out for me is just the one that I could never. I felt I never got a handle on, and have all sorts of regret over his sight unseen from season six. Oh. It was just like, oh, you know, I, I don't know uh, if I did justice to that at all. Uh, you know, I know I worked very, very hard to try to make Poisoning the Well work. Mm -hmm. It was my first Atlantis. And I think it mm -hmm. came together pretty well. Yeah. That was a complete, that was actually a story that was lying there kind of in the dead to pile that, that Brad was going, I wish we could figure out how to make yeah. this work. I like the story, but the, the woman who wrote it, I don't think she, she can do it quick enough. And I said, well, and Rob, it's, you know, Damien's available. And Brad goes, really? Well, what do you think? And I said, well, I think there's a story there. Why don't you let me, why yeah. don't you let me try to find uh, a door in? And, and it was a lot of work. And not just a lot of work to sort of find the story and plot, but it was a lot of work from, I did a lot of medical research because wow. I thought if, if Carson is going to come up with an actual, you know, uh, working drug, it can't be phony baloney. We have to understand how DNA and genomes and, and and all sorts of you know how these drugs are synthesized. And you know, I was able to talk to Rob a lot about it. He's very knowledgeable about medical research. But I did a lot of my own research and and was able to uh, come up with you know you, you'll work for like a whole afternoon to come up with one line. It's it's that yeah. inefficient when you're stuck into the yeah. medical stuff. So um, so no, I mean sight unseen. Uh, that's sort of my a little bit of a regret. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do that many teleplays. Uh, I can't remember what other ones I did that were not entirely me, as far as story. I shared I shared teleplay on both parts of Evolution, part one with Michael Shanks, but that was yes. great. He contributed all sorts of neat stuff about about the, the waters of uh, the Telchak device water and and Peter Deloise and I mapped out his you know his second his his draft as well and so I it was 
that was no problem at all. Okay. I remember with uh, Poisoning the Well, I think I was, I was a little bit scared when I first heard of the idea about it because we're five episodes in and already we've got a surefire way to kill a wraith biologically. Sure. So, I mean, but, but it, was, it was really smartly done because we also got rid of the civilization who came up with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, you know, it's the dark side of set to reset to zero, isn't it? I mean, yeah. just like, you know, all your heroes will be around at the end of, of the episode, or, or at least eventually. Uh, yeah. It's the same with, with the bad guys. You don't defang the bad guys uh, that early in the show. No way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I, I always seem to be... I mean, I remember writing Cure, where we came up with what would be Tritonin. I, I always seem to write these ones where we introduce the drug that we keep coming back to. And so the Wraith drug was, was, was another one. Uh, but one of the things that was so interesting about that show is at some point, I don't know if it was Joe Malazzi or Paul Mully, as we were you know, breaking down the story, said, this is a very dark episode. This is, a, this is a, the Atlantis team coming across you know, a final solution kind of Masada-type uh, culture who are willing to die by the millions in order to, to, to defeat their enemy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the question was posed. Do we want... For two questions were posed. One was, do we want to go this dark with this show? Can this show go this dark? I, my hand shot up and went, absolutely. And I know Brad's was too, because Brad loves dark sci-fi. I mean, he, the joke yeah. with, with Brad is always like, and the world blows up and the credits roll. You know, that's his favorite. <laughs> Outer limits. <laughs> Outer limits, exactly. It's his favorite. The bombs are flying. The, the, the whistles can't be recalled. And we fade out. That's, Brad loves that stuff. So he, yeah. he and I were both of the same mind on that, that the show could go that dark. The second was, at this point, Carson Beckett, you know, didn't even have, we didn't even know his name was Carson. I, I remember running into Brad's office for the drafts going, Brad, what's Beckett's first name? Uh, Carson? I went, fine. If you say so. If you say so. I couldn't remember from the pilot, you know. And so was the question was, could Beckett carry an episode? Beckett yeah. wasn't part of the he wasn't part of the team yet. He was a recurring yeah. guy. And uh, I went, you know, I think McGillian is it uh-huh. is great and everybody was liking him and and sure enough he knocked it out of the park. So the so once we kind of got comfortable with what we were gonna do, uh, it was sort of uh, you know, bombs away. But um, yeah. Uh, I think that any good show, be, be SG-1 or, or Atlantis or anything, sh- should be prepared to go. If you can do the other guys, you should be able to do Poisoning the Well. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, 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 still, and, and still be the same show. No one should go, wow, that derailed, or boy, did they jump the shark. You go, no, that's still the show. It can be fun and a romp, and it can also be really dark and kind of, kind of a downer ending. That's one of the things that I remember about Red Sky. I love the episode as it is, but I think it would have been so much more fascinating if the Katow people had died. You know? Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, and, and that's an interesting point. Uh, that 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 something that we caused, a mistake that we made, yeah, terminates yeah. a society. I think you would have had to have some sort of glimmer, shard of hope. That maybe that that we could that at the end of the day you have to only take a handful of people somewhere else and and you know you know you cross a line between dark endings for the sake of dark endings and dark endings that really undermine the hero the heroism yeah uh, and unless it's something you're you're willing to bake into the series where they're like well we're going to be t- tortured by this for you know the rest of the season and until mm-hmm. we until the end of the season we actually do something. 
to make up for it, then that's different. But uh, something that jarring can really alienate people, and you have to go. You have to, you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. So, but I, yeah. I know that I agree with you personally. But uh, I think that right. these, these choices have to be made kind of with, with with the big picture in mind. Right. I think that's a good point. That's definitely a good point about that. What's your ongoing relationship with Stargate going to be? Um, to be honest, n- nothing right now. Um, yeah, no, my relationship with Stargate pretty much ended with with SG One. I was never I was a guy that did some writing and consulting for Atlantis, but I was always an SG One writer and producer. And mm-hmm. um, with SG One ending, it was a, a good end of the cycle for me. And and um, uh, you know, as far as my relationship with the guys is great. You know, play hockey with Paul Molly every week, and <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, it's. It, it, it's yeah. It's sort of um, for me. It, it's uh, it's moving on to a sanctuary time. Right. Well, unending has not aired yet, and I have working at Worlds. I have read it, and it yeah. is it's bold. It is it is a bold ending. What do you think about it? Um. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I I I I am loath to comment on SG One much because I don't want I want people to draw their own conclusions. I definitely mm-hmm. don't want people to I mean I have, I have my own opinions. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, you know to me it always comes down to should we have canceled the show and you know you know should we have kept going or SG1 I guess it's cuz I know that SG1 is going to live on in some way. I mean you're going you're going to do these movies. Yeah. And you could be doing movies for 5 years. And they, they could be a feature, and you know, it could be a whole other show. I, I, I think that there's so many ways for the show to live on beyond just a weekly series. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would never shut the door. I mean, Rob's instincts are always bang on. You don't ever shut the door on something that's obviously not meant to. to it's, if I'm sure if Rob said, "Well, this is it. This is absolutely. There's nothing left to do or say or think or feel about." These characters in this in this setting, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have he would have nailed the coffin right in it and done it because he felt that was the right thing to do. But you know mm-hmm. that would I think everyone him most of all agrees that that would have been ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. Now you're an executive producer on the upcoming internet series Sanctuary. Amanda Tapping, yeah. Chris Hiredal. What do you want to tell us about this series? Uh, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be uh, unlike anything uh, I think that sci-fi has attempted before in a regular series. Uh, we're talking about a, a sci-fi series that um, isn't. It's 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 a first. It it has so many firsts behind it. <laughs> it yeah. begins to sound by rote, but yeah. it's it's the first sci-fi series in high definition that's being. Made at the highest level, like this is this is you know written and produced by me, directed and produced by my by myself, Martin Wood, Amanda Tapping, uh, John Smith. Yeah. Uh, it's also um, so so. It's it, this is not kind of a little pet project. This is the the look and effects and caliber of what you're seeing is can compete with any sci-fi program mm-hmm. that's on the air right now. Network cable, I don't care. It's there's no point in making something kind of small and and like we did this in my my father's garage. It has to be yeah. very high level because we are 
directly aiming at our online fans. And instead of having the the the, the birth of the idea was the the the, the sci-fi fans, Stargate and otherwise, you know, they live for for six days and ten hours or or six days and twenty two hours a week online, and then for two hours they are forced by the, the by but by, by the virtue of television to go over to the, another place and watch it, and then in the commercials or afterwards dive back on their computers. Yeah, yeah. And so in a way, if you step back, well, that's ridiculous. When we can actually stream high def into your living room through your computer, and you can have complete access to these files, do with them what you want. Watch them when you want, how you want, on any media you want. Uh, why are we forcing you to sort of show yeah. up for a point? Of, there should not be anything. There not should not be anything such as. There should not be such a thing as appointment television anymore. Yeah, I think TiVo is shouting out at that too. And TiVo, I think, is even. But TiVo has to kind of be there for you. You should you should be able to get what you want when you want, how you want it, and watch it on your computer, on yeah. your iPod, on yeah. on your DVD, in your home theater. It's it, there's no reason, rhyme or reason why you should be a slave to programming and commercials anymore. Not when a billion people can can watch stuff over the internet, and when you know a hundred a hundred million people have broadband streaming in the U.S. alone. Mm -hmm. So. So we know that the, the sci-fi community are, are among the best, most loyal, and most intelligent early adopters of, of new technology and entertainment in the world. Mm -hmm. And so we, basically myself and uh, a man named Mark Obanel, who was one of the senior VPs at Electronic Arts, formed a company to create a new type of product that's, that's made like television but has the best of the web and gaming technology baked into it to create a whole new experience, a very immersive experience as you watch it. You can watch it passively as a viewer or you can get right into to, to the world of it. And uh, we're really thrilled with, with how it's coming along and, and, and we're, we can't wait to see what the reaction is when it goes live in a few months. Oh, so when you're watching Sanctuary, you won't necessarily have to play the games in order to get to the next scene. Oh God, no, no, no! Okay. You, 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 you are able to, um, you are able to be as immersed in this as you want. You can literally just fire it up and watch it, or you can burn it into your computer and burn it and throw it on your home theater and watch it as a show. Wow! Uh, you, but you, but if you want to get into it, there's a whole um, gaming and social networking aspect to it, and there's a lot of the stuff I can't discuss in huge detail because there's a lot of patents pending, yeah. as, as yeah. they say. Um. But yeah, no. The the idea is to to not just make TV and throw the internet. That I mean, yes, that's better than just making TV and then recycling it on the internet. It's better to yeah. make TV for the internet. But it's if you're going to do that, you have to be better than you know the big networks. You have to offer something that makes your product unique. And right. we're designing a lot of very very original software applications and web design features that have never been sutured like from the get go into big. Uh, big content and and plus the fact that our content is 95 percent green screen so it's got a really right. original look you know we're able right. to show and show places that don't exist and um, and create elements that you really want to explore in 3d HTML environments right. so um, you know it's you're working on your MMO for Stargate we're we're in a way creating not an MMO but a very because that's just gigantic amounts of work and time and energy but more that on a smaller scale, but that could grow into whatever uh, yeah. the, the community wants it to. We're not going to protect our product against user involvement. People are going to be able to take assets, effects, 
avatars, green screen moments, and do mashups, and they're going to be able to express themselves through the world of the show. Great. Wow. So you're, fine. you're not going to be an enemy of the online people. <laughs> well, not at all. I mean, we want to be their champion. We want to, we want to build the town square, and then we want them to build the rest of the town, you know? Right. And, and this isn't to say that Sanctuary won't exist as television or box set DVDs. It will. Yeah, uh, but exactly. it's, a, it's a paradigm shift. Instead of making TV and DVDs first and then saying, I will throw it up on YouTube or on the Internet in low-grade little windows, we're going yeah. to go out there and say, look, HD, DVD, and Blu-ray will become obsolete mainly because high-def streaming is, in, is the future. And we're just going there first. You don't need a machine. You already have the machine that allows you to stream HD. And if they just remove the, the digital rights management, you can do whatever you want with those files. And the internet allows people with the wherewithal to be their own studio and network, their own broadcaster. And so, you know, we found a healthy investment of people who realize that it's all going to the net. And we will sell. We sanctuary will likely become be dis distributed around the world. In uh, on TV and DVD after the fact, yeah. But everybody around the world is going to get a version of Sanctuary right away. You're not going to wait for your TV network to decide when you get a chance to see it. Yeah, it's good. it all it all goes live, you know, globally, which is I think another way that we have we have to stop we have to kind of tear down the walls of what of of where entertainment goes and and when you can access a global market, uh, that ch that levels the playing field that flattens the world a bit. Right. How long will each episode run? Uh, right, the, the, the pilot was shot. It's well over two hours. Wow. And, and uh, it's actually translates to about three television hours. So it's like 130 plus minutes of footage. Right now, the, it's going to be eight webisodes. Each one is roughly 15 minutes long. Um, mm. Now... Some might be, you know, there might be an 18-minute webisode and then a 13-minute one, but they all roughly even out to about 15 minutes per. Mm. And then uh, once we get into full-on production, I think we will probably get into three 15-minute webisodes per story because it'll be like a 44-minute TV hour. Mm -hmm. um, so for now, but the ones that are going to start coming out in May uh, will be 15 minutes, and the full the full eight webisodes will be probably released uh, through May and June uh, okay. into into the beginning of July. Okay, so we plan on launching in May? In May, yes. Okay. It must be a breath of fresh air that you don't have to delete anything. Yeah, exactly. And we can, we can let, we don't have to take the, take the air out of scenes and we don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, we, we can, you know, look, the, the thing moves at a pretty brisk pace anyway. It's not like there's long ponderous scenes. There's a lot of action, a lot of fighting, a lot of effects. And a lot of uh, really great creature design by Todd Masters is astounding what he's cooked up. You know, all, this is this is a show about monsters essentially, so you don't cheap out on the monster part. You know, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, it, it it is nice to not have to 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 be able to create the show answering only to the creative people behind it, and not have to answer. Yeah not have to dial in people who don't make TV in the trenches, you know. Right. That's not to say that, you know, all studio executives are evil. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply <laughs> saying that, that the process is expedited. You're able to do it very quickly. And you're able to sort of get, you know, well, we're going to cast this person and there's no other approvals we need. It's done that day. And so on and so forth. So that's nice. 
what can you uh, tell us about the story for those of us who haven't seen Urban Rush? <laughs> and had it all spelled out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I find, no, Amanda came to me and said, she said, oh, I, I think I said too much. I'm like, you know what, it's fine. Like, I, it, it, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't need to protect the story. I'd rather people be yeah. interested, you know? Yeah. Um, if this is a story which literally it, it, the, the basic pitch would say would say that it, it, it's almost uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen meets X Files. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a, a show set in a in, an undefined kind of somewhat Gotham City world um, with a with a, a foot in in historical uh, Victorian era London. Um, okay. uh, it's a very original her uh, hero in the form of Doctor Helen Magnus, who yes is a is um. Well over 150 years old, uh, but but looking at a day over 35, um, and her her um, her ongoing quest to to find help, protect, stop uh, uh, these these creatures that that that, are, that walk the earth. Some she needs to, to, to lock up to to protect the public at large, and some she needs to find to protect them from the public, and some and and it's all in the name of research. And it's very dangerous, tricky work. But she's one of these people who's been doing it for so long, and is God knows how many proteges she's gone through. But she's at the beginning of, of the pilot. She finds her next protege in the form of uh, a young uh, psychiatric resident named Will Zimmerman, played by a wonderful actor you're all going to love, uh, named Robin Dunn. Okay. He's uh, who's uh, literally he'll, he'll give you a kind of a a quirky young Michael Shanks feel. Okay. Uh, he's really a great guy. He does humor well, and he the chemistry between him and Amanda is just tremendous. And uh, he's a real find. And and it's about um, being sucked into this this world uh, of of monsters and um, and good and evil, and and basically having everything you thought was real undermined by uh, this woman and uh, what she does. Wow. Okay. So this Helen Magnus, Helen, right? Yes. Okay. Is she an immortal, or is she just blessed with really long life? Well, her line at the end of the first hour, and I mean, I don't like to give spoilers, maybe you put right. a little thing saying <laughs> spoilers, uh, is that her rationale is that when you treat creatures with incredible powers, sometimes the gifts are unexpected. That's all she says, and that's all we're going to tell you now. Obviously, there's going to be a How Magnus Got Old episode at some point in the future. I mean... I just don't believe in spelling it all out in the pilot. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there should be a lot of th mm -hmm. unanswered questions that keeps people like that should keep people wanting to come back to have those questions answered. Yes, I agree. So um, she's not immortal, uh, but I don't think she's going to die anytime soon. <laughs> and 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 actually, in the second hour, we do address that issue. It, it, she is not. I'll put it this way: she's not happy about her condition. Uh, okay. At all, it's not like she lords it over people, or, is, or even enjoys being the age. I think at a certain point she realizes, who wants to outlive their children? Who wants to? I've outlived so many friends. Like it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's for her, finding the cure to her longevity is an ongoing issue. And David Hewlett uh, guest stars. David Hewlett plays a, a very, very uh, quirky, interesting character named Larry Tolson, a very unbalanced young man, uh, former patient of Will Zimmerman's, who delivers a, a very, very wonderful. He does a lovely cameo appearance in the um, in the in the first hour, and uh, as a, you know, we we fully intend to bring him back at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. Availability. Uh, 
know, pending. One of the things, you know, I know that Hewlett is in it. He, he's just fantastic. And, and Paul McGillian's in it as a wonderful character named Wexford, oh. uh, who's a very quirky, very... He's not fully human, I'll tell you that, in his character. And he's okay. a character that we'll be seeing again. But one of the things, you know, we, we really are very pleased, Martin Wood and John Smith are very, very thrilled at the amount of interest that people have in Sanctuary. But we don't want to take advantage of our connections too much. You know, we're, yeah. we're not, we didn't create Sanctuary to poach SG-1 Sorry, in Atlantis. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 you know, we want people to come to us because they're interested in doing it and we make sure that everything's cool and that we're not overusing the characters or, or, or abusing our access to, to all this amazing talent or, or you know, overreaching our, our boundaries. So we're pretty, we try to be sensitive and we recognize that it's a very, very powerful, established um, show and that we're not interested in trying to take that for granted. Good, good, very good. So Sanctuary will be revolutionary in its, its delivery of entertainment. Um, is there anything else you want to tell us about it before we let you go? Well, uh, I mentioned the fact that it's shot on green screen. It's also yes. the first tapeless, fully digital production. Everything's shot right on digital media, right on a hard drive. Um, we use very, very advanced three D computer imaging systems when we shoot, so that we can actually see pre-visual effects on a computer of the space we're working in, and have the actors wow. walk into it and, and look at themselves standing in a space that you know uh, it only exists in the computer, but they can see it while in real time while they shoot, which is really, Good. really, really new. Um, it's going to be something that I think a lot of people suspected was coming, which yeah. is the first hybrid show, uh, the first show that works on TV, that works on the internet, that works, you know, as a sort of something that's streamed right to your device. Um, it's, a, it's going to be the first multi-platform hybrid show of its kind. And uh, what I've noticed with a lot of people who do things like Lonely Girl 15 and all that, they, this is like an internet-only project. Sanctuary is a multi-platform, fully flexible project uh, series that will appeal to people on many levels. You're going to want it on DVD. You're going to want to watch it on TV. You're going to want to throw it on DVD off the net and watch it wherever. You're going to want to collect it and share it. And you're going to want to experience it probably in a lot of different ways. And it'll push to each other media. You're going to say, well, you can watch the TV cut version because that's a little different, and you can watch the full version online and, and get immersed in all the, the, the other uh, elements of, of the, the, um, the online world. You can get it on DVD, and there'll be um, JavaScripted stuff on Blu-ray or HD DVD that allows you to access other web aspects of it, and maybe you'll want to see some special features that will be exclusive to DVD. So it's one of the first, I think it's, as I understand, the first of its kind that's a fully flexible hybrid series that offers something for people no matter what media they want to experience it on. And that, I think, is what makes it the thing of the future. Uh, it's, conce it's, it's conceived with all those things in mind. Hello, I'm Paul McGillian, and this is GateWorld.net, your complete guide to Stargate. Disengaged.